Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. It is Monday, January 17th, 2022. I, Greg, are you uh, accustomed now to writing checks or saying 2022, or are you still saying 2021 like I do sometimes? Shit, I'm like, I, sometimes I go to 1985. I, <laughs> what the hell I am? Welcome to Greg Grave. He'll talk football <laughs> and 1985. Um Greg, uh, first of all, before we start talking about football, I want to ask you, Did I know you worked a little bit with Les Grobstein, the WSCR reporter uh, who lost his life this weekend. Uh, do you uh, Would you like to say anything about Les and your encounters yeah, with him? I, I didn't know Les well. The last three times I saw him, I saw him at a Northwestern game this past fall. And then the two times before that were – Right where you are <laughs> and uh, right there in the studio. And before that, I did two shows with him, mm-hmm. both of them uh, post first round of the draft at the score. One was at, you know, we went from 10 to two. So I, you know, the, the amazing thing to me was, was that I was done at two o'clock in the morning and he still won another three hours. Yeah, he is he was uh, phenomenal with that, that late night gig. And you're talking four, five, six hours where, you know, he's basically interacting with, for the most part, with listeners. And sometimes when there were no call-ins, he would just talk and he could yep. talk. Yep. <laughs> he had a memory like a steel trap. Uh, and he was an enjoyable uh, he, gentleman. There, there was a guy we had on uh, on, on one of the, the shows who was from the Denver area. Mm-hmm. And so because he was from semi out West, let's start bringing up the stuff about the mountain West conference back in the 1990s. We were both like, huh? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Those are, it, what was amazing about Les is that you would be talking about something. You'd ask him a question about something. And all of a sudden he would just take a severe left hand turn and start talking about something completely different. And it would be an interesting story, but it had nothing to do with what the topic was beforehand. <laughs> He's a special guy, and our hearts go out to his family, and we wish him very well. We'll be do- doing more talking about Les throughout the week uh, here at the Barroom Network. But let's uh, turn our attention to the National Football League. I want to talk about some of those games from yesterday, but first, we got to talk about the search. The search continues from the reports that you have been getting and seeing on the news media and also from, from your sources, 
How do you think this is going for the Chicago Bears? Are they are they casting too wide of a net, or or do you like the approach that they're taking? No, I, I like the approach. Number one, you might be interviewing some guys that you really don't have much interest in, mm-hmm. but you want to pick their brain. You want mm-hmm. to pick the brain how the organization works, etc. So that part is all good. And and right now, like Dayball interviewed yesterday. They cannot hire Dayball yet. Yeah, you can make a deal with him, you know, a little side deal with him, but he can't officially be hired until the Bills season's over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the same thing, they they interviewed Shane, the uh, Bills assistant GM yesterday. It's the same thing with him. He can't be hired in, until the season's over. So be, depending on how, you know, how far the bears want to go on this some of these guys get penalized by being too good you know and that's just the way the yeah. coaching searches go in, in in the national football league uh todd bowles hasn't even been interviewed yet right and he cannot be interviewed now until i think thursday or friday afternoon when mm-hmm. they're done with practice because that's when leslie frazier is going to be interviewed Right. So if you could do two interviews Friday afternoon, maybe you can get bowls in or something. Otherwise, you know, you got to wait. It's just and and Tampa, I don't think is playing until Sunday. So Mm -hmm. then that kicks him out. If if, if they win, that knocks him out for another week. Yeah. Right. And and in my opinion, you know, him and, and, and Dayball are the best guys, in my opinion. But. You know, it, it, it's going to be up to them. Now, my personal gut feeling is, and, and just go back to what George was saying last week, you know, when he was answering some of the media questions. He goes, I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. I don't have the answers to some of these things. Mm-hmm. Then he also said, but I'm making the final decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's making the final decision that Bill Polian made. <laughs> That's what I thought, too. Yeah. <laughs> George, this is your guy. Okay. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, who's he trying to fool? <laughs> we got breaking news here, courtesy of Bryce, uh, and I've checked this. This is correct, according to Field Yates. Uh, breaking, the Bears have requested to interview Chiefs Executive Director of Player Personnel, Ryan Poles, for their vacant GM's job. Thank you, Bryce, for that. Uh, this is a great one. The people in the chat room are helping us with breaking news. Outstanding. Um, what do you know about Ryan Poles? The uh... you know I don't I don't know much about Poles. He's one guy I don't know. You, you know mm-hmm. I got a, a lot of these guys I've I've interacted with, known for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Dodds. I don't know um, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa. And in my opinion, you know he he's the vice president of football operations for the Browns, mm-hmm. and that's the type of job you give him. He's not a, a now. I'm sure he's done some evaluation, but he's a former college basketball player. You know how strong an evaluator is he? And you want your, your GM is making the final decision on evaluations, mm-hmm. and so unless you got a, a superb staff underneath you, mm-hmm. you know, is that the guy you want? You know, and and I'm sure there's a ton of things that he does really really well, but in the role that they're interviewing people for, mm-hmm. does he really fit the criteria? 
Yeah, it almost seems to me like this is one of those interviews, like you said, you're collecting information. Uh, the Chiefs, of course, have had a lot of success in uh, acquiring uh, talented football players. And so perhaps, you know, this is uh, 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 Polian's approach to, you know, seeing how that all works over with that organization. Right. And, and the, you know, the first name that came out last week, mm-hmm. and I might might have been last Monday, uh, at worst case scenario, it was Tuesday, was Morocco Brown. Mm-hmm. And Morocco hadn't been interviewed yet. Yeah. Now, he, he's expecting to be interviewed, but I what I think is going on mm-hmm. is in this first wave, they're trying to talk to as many people as they can talk to, given the rules. Mm-hmm. So there's certain guys, you know, on certain days that you can get, there's other guys that you can't. And so, you know, there's gonna there's some days this week when they can fit in a Morocco, but you know, you you want to get like polls. I don't think they can interview polls now until the weekend or something. You know, because of the because the Chiefs are still playing. Yeah. So you know, it's almost looking to me more and more like the Chicago Bears might hire a head coach before the general manager. How? Uh, how I, much I don't know that if that. Case, you know, you can now. Here's what you can do: is you can settle on a on a GM and have him, and not officially hire him, and have him have conversations, just like you and I are having. Mm-hmm. You know, and say, uh, Ryan, why don't you call Brian here and have a talk? You know, and <laughs> there's little things like that I think you can do to, and I'm not hundred percent sure on this, just to circumvent the system. Sure. Uh, they can't hire anybody until, I mean, that's a definite until their season is over. Mm-hmm. So guys like Peterson, Caldwell, uh, Everfluss, those guys could be hired. So if, if they felt real good about it, now let's go back when they hired, um, Nagy, Matt Nagy, four years ago, they had only interviewed a couple guys when they did Nagy. Were impressed with that and, and tried to get it done. I think because they thought that the Colts were going to beat them to the punch. Mm-hmm. Well, I know for a fact the Colts weren't going to hire them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, but, you know, so this time I think they're being a little bit more patient. Nobody's been hired yet. Uh, the top candidates are, are guys that are, you know, working for teams that are still playing. In most cases, there's some good guys that, out there that that are out of work. Um, you know, you hear some negatives on Peterson, but he did take a team to the to the Super Bowl. There's negatives on Flores. Uh, there's a lot of red flags on him. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, the guy's, you know, he's a pretty good coach. So when you're doing your, not only is the interview important, trying to get the answers, mm-hmm. but, you know, you want to research, you know, make calls to people he's worked with, might be to Belichick or some people up in New England, uh, talk to Chris Greer or whoever else is down there in Miami that they, they can talk to. Reggie McKenzie is a, is a real good example. Reggie's being brought in 
Um, and, and Reggie's a high-level executive for Miami. So if anybody can give you a straight sh shot on floors, it's Reggie McKenzie. No doubt, yeah. yeah. That would be so great. <laughs> then you want to find out the truth, so to speak. So there's rumors, mm -hmm. and, and we know how that works. You know, there's truth and there's rumors, and, and, and you just want to make sure you get the most successful candidate that is a fit for your organization. Mm -hmm. Now, I see the, the guy up there is a Dodds interviews today. Right. You know, I know Chris loves him. And uh, and and but they they got a relationship. They worked together at Texas A&M Kingsville before it was called Texas A&M Kingsville. It's mm -hmm. called Texas A&I back then. Okay. And um, so they, they got a, a very close relationship. It was one of the first guys Chris hired when he got the Indianapolis job. Chris Ballard, uh, right? Yes. <clears throat> and but there's guys that I know that have been on, you know, known Dodds for years that have been on the road with them. So you can have them. Really? They just, you know, it, it's the interaction with, with other scouts. Now I'm going to say this, and this is kind of important. Okay. You know, when I was on the road, I used to always scout other scouts because there might be a situation where I, you know, you got to hire somebody. Absolutely. And that's how I ended up hiring Mark Sadowski. I spent a lot of time on the road with him, being at the same school, somehow he works at pro days and mm -hmm. things like that. So you still don't know, even though you, you can see his work ethic, mm -hmm. you know, you can see it when he, when he's in the, uh, the scouts room watching video, is he bullshitting with other people or is he got his, got, got his head you know, on, into the tape and not saying a word. I never said a word. I used to just shut up and, and, and just watch tape. And I would much rather be by myself than be in a, a room with six or seven other people. Because when you get that many people in a room, too many people start talking and you can't concentrate mm -hmm. and, you, and you can't get your job done. So that's so what you're looking for when you're seeing guys on the road is, is professionalism. I guess is the best way of putting it. Sure. And, uh, you know, finding what the guy is like, personality, how he gets along with other people. But what you don't know, he might tell you that he likes this player, doesn't like this player, and even why. But you don't know if he's telling the truth because you haven't read his reports and you're never going to see his reports. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> okay. So, and that's the key. I mean, you can't, it takes you a while to find out. Mm. You know, like when I came in here, there was, you know, we kept, we hired two guys. We kept four guys, mm -hmm. got rid of two guys. Um, it took a while to find out how good each one was and what was his strengths, what was his weaknesses. Mm -hmm. You know, what when we cross-checked by position. So then I had to match guys with, you know, like guy who was real good with the defensive line. I had a have that guy be the defensive line cross checker and somebody was real good with defensive backs do that, you know, and, and that's really, really important for the way we did it. 
So w would they still get an area of the country? Oh, yeah. I'm okay. talking that what, what happened. We didn't even start our cross-checks until December. Gotcha. Okay. They they never left their area. So and, and so they would get, you know, you can use Ballard. Ballard had Oklahoma, Louisiana, Texas, New Mexico, Arkansas. Okay, so he he could hit all those big schools as many times as he wants. You know, and, and if he felt he had to go back to the little schools, the smaller schools, you know, he could. But he knew that area because I didn't send him out to the West Coast to do something or, or send him to the East. You know, and, and when I was with the Giants, you only went into a school one time in the course of a fall. Mm -hmm. And then there might be four other guys behind you if you were the first guy in. So... We didn't like that. We discussed, Jerry and I discussed that, you know, when I was hired and we said, no, we're going to do it differently. And we thought we had success that way because heck, you know, they say, I always put my hat on. We, we drafted 12 pro bowlers. Nice draft. <laughs> so nice collection of players over that time. Yeah. Now I, I'm cheating with one. Greg Olson was a pro bowler, not with us, but he was a pro bowler. <laughs> and it's not my fault. That he... <laughs> Thank you for clearing that up because I'm still angry about that. Over that one's all on, on Marks. Oh my goodness. Mike Marks. Um, couple of questions here. I know that you've, you've talked very highly about Brian Daybowl. In fact, he's one of your top candidates along with uh, Todd Bowles. Uh, the right. factor says, what do you uh, uh, ask Greg what he thinks about the ball being a leader in a head as a head coach? Anything that's the one thing I don't know. Okay. Because I haven't, you know, I've been around Todd Bowles. Mm -hmm. So I, I I've seen how Todd interacts with other players, with a group. Etc. Uh, Dayball, I I don't know that, but you just, you know, I tweeted it out Saturday night during the game. He was putting a few exclamation points on that resume. <laughs> he was, <laughs> yeah, you know, just getting it, it into another topic. You look at those games. Who were the best three teams in this first round? It was Tampa Bay, Buffalo, and Kansas City. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, all with excellent candidates on their squads. Right. The now, the only thing, you know, I'm, I'm not a enemy fan. And that, and, and, and not because I, I don't really know him. Right. But it's a non-play caller from the Andy Reid tree. And that's what we just had. We just saw that movie and it was not a good one. Right. Fact and, and so, I, you know, it's like, I know I'm not going back to that one. And that's, the same, and that's the same thing with Hackett up in Green Bay. Yeah, Nathaniel Hackett. Yes. Yep. Yeah. He doesn't call the plays. Yeah. So right. what, what are you getting? Uh, the factor wants to know about uh, if you hire a guy like Dibble, are we just going to see the Kansas City Chiefs offense again with a different play caller? Now, they no, it's a totally different. Yeah. Totally different scheme. Here, the unique thing about Dibble is, is that he – truly fits the scheme to his players. Mm -hmm. This passing offense changed. Now, granted, Josh Allen has improved along the way. But when they got digs last year from Minnesota, mm -hmm. they changed their passing game a little bit. 
to suit his skills. And they also got Beasley. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they, they, they're able to do things that they couldn't do before they got those guys. And now as the, you know, the tight end was up and down up until this year, Dawson Knox. And, and now he's becoming, especially the last half of the season, he's becoming a real big part of that offense. And he's, he is not like Komet. He's your athletic guy, you know, like Kittle and, and those types of guys. He's, you know, he can block, but he's never going to be a, a grade A blocker. The run game for Buffalo has gotten better this last third of the season. They ran the ball very well against New England, who stopped them at the beginning. You know, they play, they played New England three times in the last five weeks. Wow. And, and once the Buffalo lost, and that was in that, you know, it was a storm. It was 40-mile-an-hour uh, winds. It was cold. They only threw the ball like New England only threw the ball like four times or five times the whole game and ran. And Buffalo didn't stop the the run very well. And Allen didn't have one of his better days. Three weeks later, they play in New England and Buffalo killed them. And so, but you know, you look at the, at the way the betting was going f before the game Saturday. People were because they were looking at the weather it was going to be you know colder than than five degrees and it was gonna uh it's gonna be windy but not that bad and so they were betting the under and taking the points mm -hmm. bookies made a ton of money <laughs> <laughs> this, this I, I saw one thing, buffalo was for, just buffalo's total was the you know, the um over under was 51 buffalo had 47. <laughs> Are you like most of us uh, here in Chicago and throughout the country who love to see the Patriots get absolutely embarrassed in the postseason, like Adeptus says? Well, you know, because I'm I'm a Buffalonian. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, when I was growing up, the big the rivalry wasn't New England; it was Miami, and they couldn't beat Miami, and then they started just beat Miami every time. That's after, you know, when Kelly came and, and they had that K-Gun offense and they went to four Super Bowls. Then when Belichick and Brady go to New England, then New England became the bully. Mm -hmm. And for, I think, God, over about a 16-year period, Bill's only won about five games or something. Mm -hmm. You know, but now they've won, I think, three out of the last four or four out of the last five. You know, so it, it's, it's changing. Yeah. And they got the quarterback now. And I, you know, I think Mac Jones is going to be a real good pro. But I, you know, I've said this before, I think his ceiling is lower than some of the guys, you know, Justin Fields, Lawrence, you know, I, I, I can't really speak for, for Lance or, or for Wilson yet, but I think those guys have higher ceilings. But in the case of, of Fields, and same thing with Lawrence, who, who the hell are they going to hire? Because that's going to be very, very important in the development of these quarterbacks. Yeah. Adeptus has a really good question. I agree with him, at least insofar as the GM candidates. He says that it seems like the crop of available candidates this year is really good compared to previous years. Do you feel the same? I mean, there's just a lot of really interesting candidates out there. There's there's some good names, and 
to give some credit to the Bears, they're talking to all of them. Now, some names, you know, I get a kick out of reading stuff on Twitter and, and some of these bloggers and some of the other things who say, oh, this is the best guy, this guy. How the hell do they know? <laughs> they don't know who's good, who's bad, or who's indifferent. You know what you read. Yeah. But some of these guys got people that are that are really got strong PR people, you know, yeah. uh, or, or you know, people in the media that they know that are pushing their names. And so Dodds is one of them, you know, that 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 oh, he's the best guy. He's the number one candidate. I saw, you know, Tom Pelissero said that. Uh, today on the NFL Network. Is he really? You know, unless you sit down and talk with these people, find out their philosophy, and talk to people who've worked with them and talk to people who've been around them, you don't know that. And so, you know, it, it's real easy to sit back and say, oh, they blew the hire. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in Philly, when, when they hired Andy Reid years ago, Mm-hmm. Everybody was laughing at him. He wasn't even a coordinator. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, and, and and Green Bay took a lot of grief when they hired Lafleur. Mm-hmm. As somebody pointed out in the chat, he never called his plays prior to right. Uh, that that's yeah. right. Um, but he had called plays before, not called plays for the Rams. Gotcha. McVeigh. Okay. McVeigh. He had called plays at, at in college. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, James Christo wants to know, why isn't Greg Roman's name out there on interview lists? It seems to be a name that was popular uh, not too long ago, but it has hardly been mentioned. You know, it, it's a good question. Uh, we actually talked about this, I think, a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. You go back when he was in San Francisco. Harbaugh was the head coach. Mm-hmm. Roman's name was hot. Okay, and... He was getting interviews, nothing happened. Then he, he had a, like at least two stops before Baltimore since then. One I know was Buffalo. Um, it might've been something in between Buffalo and, and, and Baltimore. But before he got to Baltimore, you know, the star got tarnished. Mm-hmm. And now that he was back in Baltimore, it got good again, but I think some people are saying, is it him or is it Lamar, was it Lamar Jackson? A lot of people are asking that question. And and when you talk to Dable, and this is one of the, the reasons I like him so much, again, not knowing what kind of leader he is, just football coach, is that we all know the faults that Josh Allen had coming out of Wyoming. Mm-hmm. He was not accurate. He never threw for 60% when he was in college. I think he was like for his career was like around 56 and I don't have the stats right in front of me, but it was in that area. And, you know, the general rule of thumb has been, you know, since I've been doing this is that guys who aren't accurate in college don't all of a sudden become accurate once they get to the NFL, because the windows are so much smaller coverage is better. And yet he did it. And actually Lamar Jackson did it too. Because Lamar Jackson was a like another fifty-five percent completion percentage guy, but not only did Allen become accurate, he went from uh, 
2019 to 2020 went from 59% to 69%, better than 69%. Mm-hmm. Most of the 2020 season, he was over 70%. This year, he was around 67 mm-hmm. Um, But still, he's up 10 points from what he was two years ago. You never see that. And, and a lot of that has to do with just Allen himself and the work he did in the offseason. But also, it's, it's day ball. And, and the, the character of if, if Dustin Fields has one-tenth of the character that, that Josh, football character I'm talking about, and that's the work ethic and that desire to be great. If he has one-tenth of the character that, that Josh Allen has, then he's going to be a hell of a football player when you get him with the right coach. Yeah. Fascinating. Um, let's see. Uh, Adeptus wants to know about Leslie Frazier. How much credit does the former Bears cornerback, who is now the defensive coordinator with the Bills, how much does Frazier get for the Bills defense and how much goes to McDermott? Can we even separate the two? Can we even figure yeah, that no, out? Frazier, I've asked that question. Frazier's running the defense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've talked to some people. Nobody says a bad thing about him. Here's the only negative. You ever see any emotion? None. <laughs> and, and and that's the thing. You know, I I, I, I think George McCaskey may know more than, than most of us. At least he was around him when he was a player, mm-hmm. you know, here in Chicago. But you never see him. any emotion at all. He's a very... And I was having a conversation with a, a, a former GM a couple days ago and talking about him, and he knows knows him well. And he and we both said the same, we use the same word, stoic. Mm. He's very but you know, he he gets the job done. And you know who that is when you and I'm not trying to put this guy on Mount Rushmore, mm-hmm. but you know who was like that? Tony Dungy. Okay. He, uh, Didn't say a whole lot. Didn't raise his voice, but was one hell of a leader. He uh, got everybody's respect. There's no doubt right. about that. In fact, did you watch, um, I think it was Saturday, mm-hmm. Dungy was talking about, you know, the hiring of head coaches. No, I missed that. On, on the uh, pregame show before yeah. the Bills game. Mm-hmm. And he said, when you hire a head coach, it has nothing to do with X's and O's. It has everything to do with leadership and developing a culture. Mm. So that perhaps has been, uh, well, I don't, I don't want to throw Matt Nagy uh, or any, or John Fox under the bus uh, with that because they were interested in creating a very positive culture, but sometimes when you don't win, no matter what you're doing with culture, you know, it, 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 it's, it's all uh, moot. You know, I mean, you've got to win games, no matter what culture you got. We've seen teams with terrible cultures like the Raiders of yesteryear, you know, and the Dallas Cowboys had uh, interesting cultures with guys partying all the time and, and not being role models, so to speak. Uh, But they win, but, how how so how important is building a culture for a football team Roy? How, how can you prioritize that for us well first of all define culture yeah yeah uh, well okay. yeah, that's that's a great question I, I, because you know you could probably 
write a book. Yeah. And and it has so many different variations on it. Indeed. Uh, it, it, it's, I, I don't think it, if you've got some personalities mm-hmm. in the locker room, like Olin, mm-hmm. say, you know, that, that's personality. But, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and, and that group, you know, that old line group. Now, you, I'm sure you used to go down to Bourbonnais. Yeah. Okay, and what was that bar, Kitty Corner, from campus? Yeah, I forgot the name of it, but yeah. I've I know, I've been a times. thousand times. But, <laughs> <laughs> but those guys those guys would go there one or two nights a week during camp, mm-hmm. and they close the joint, yeah. and they get fined. Uh-huh. And, um, and, and Olin was the leader. <laughs> and Olin, uh, Roberto Garza, uh, Ruben Brown, they were, they were all there. And you know what? Harry was the coach. So what? We got fine. We had, but that was so, but the culture on those football teams they were tight. was excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Team was close. Mm-hmm. And, and, and hey, I, I, I saw some arguments now, uh, you yeah. know, <laughs> down, down in the locker room, one in the training room. Between an offensive guy and a defensive guy, and I'm like, oh shit, I got to get out of here. <laughs> I might get, I might get hurt just being in the same room. <laughs> yeah, you don't want any shrapnel wounds, <laughs> right? And and you know, <laughs> nothing did happen, but you know, you got a you got a bunch of alpha dogs running around, mm-hmm. and stuff like that happens. But the culture is, it's it, it's it's team. Yeah, you know, and 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 you winning, you put winning above everything, mm-hmm. and and working hard, and 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 you work together. It doesn't mean you're not going to argue with the exactly one of your teammates. Yes, and, and challenge them. And ask I mean, yeah, you know, hey, everybody knows about what happened at the FBI shooting range with Olin and Fred Miller. Yeah, you want to. Uh, uh, Share that story again for those who haven't heard it. Oh, I wasn't here. I mean, I, I wasn't there. Excuse me. I was here because I had been to the, I had been to that range. That was a great time going there. Yeah, it's an FBI shooting range. Yeah. yeah, it's right next to the Great Lakes Naval Base. Okay, and it's almost like part of the Great Lakes Naval Base. And mm-hmm. and the the uh, SWAT team does a lot of training there. They got these video things that where you're going into a house and then all of a sudden these people jump up in front of you and you got to make a instantaneous decision whether it's a good guy or a bad guy and mm-hmm. you know you've got to play gun and if you shoot the gun and kill the guy it's and it was really a good guy you flunk yeah and, you know but it, that type of thing and then there's well hold on hold on before you move on and so the uh, a number of bears players were there and there was an right. argument so tell us tell us the rest of it well they they <laughs> you know you get done with the with the cops and robber stuff and then these guys you know from the SWAT team they you know they put a bunch of food out and they start barbecuing and you're drinking nice. beer and you you're having a good time and then um they you don't know, Olin and Fred, who are on the same side of the ball, you know, got into it a little bit. Got a little heated. But true story. Yeah. That didn't that got shut down. That didn't come from here, shutting down us being able to go. That went all the way to the office of the president of the United States. Oh my goodness. 
Because that was some bad publicity. <laughs> yeah. When that got out, it was not good for the country, for the FBI, and for the Chicago Bears. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and, and I, we used to be able to go, I, I went over a couple times, we used to be able to go, you know, designated days. Uh-huh. They'd set it up. And Tommy Dillon, who was the head of security uh, for the Bears, was an ex-FBI agent and used to run the SWAT team. So that's uh, where the whole okay. connection came that got us over there. Interesting. Interesting. Great stuff. All right. So uh, I want to get to a few more of these uh, questions. Muck has an attitude that I am seeing grow on social media, and that is impatience. He says, just identify the guy you want and hire him. Stop dragging this process out. Well, first <laughs> of all, like I say, if it's if somebody like a Todd Bowles, a, a Day Bowl, or somebody like that, you can't hire him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's working exactly. by league rules. You cannot, you can, you can do what the Colts didn't and then end up backfired with them with uh, mm-hmm. McDaniels four years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they thought they had a deal with them. And they hired about six coaches mm-hmm. that McDaniels wanted on the staff. And then they, they, you know, he, he, he reneged on the deal after the Super Bowl. Mm. Crazy. And you know what? That's why he's not a coach right now. Yeah. And probably Pay, won't payback, be. Right? Payback's a bitch. Yep, exactly. That was dirty stuff. Um, yep. You talked about this last week, but for those who didn't hear it, uh, people want to know your opinions on Champ Kelly. You know, I, I've met Champ a couple times. Mm-hmm. Very delightful person, intelligent guy, easier to get along with. Um, everybody in the building speaks very highly of him but again i don't know how good an evaluator he is because mm-hmm. i haven't seen a reporter have or, or had him you know listen to him talking about players but people you know people like him he's well thought of it wouldn't shock me if he ends up being the guy mm-hmm. put it that way i saw something where he you know somebody tweeted out something yesterday i don't remember who it was that you know he knocked him dead with his interview. Well, I guarantee you, they ain't telling you who did good or who did bad. Yeah, they're keeping so that. you know, where do people get this stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and and I, you know, I've known Polian since 1984. He isn't going to say anything mm-hmm. unless he wants to leak something. And sometimes, and you got to be careful with leaks. Yeah, because leaks are usually lies. <laughs> that's right. Remember, it's a lying season. The season's over. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> lying season has commenced. Yes, darn right. Uh, what about the Harbaugh, your feelings on the former 49ers coach who's now at Michigan? I know you're not a big fan of Michigan, so but that's not going to sway. No, I, 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 don't even, I don't even think he's in the conversation. And I'll tell you like- what, I tweeted it out the other day. And the main reason. Mm-hmm. He hired a coach away from Notre Dame on Friday that had been at Notre Dame 12 years. Guy had recommitted to when they had the turnover. Kelly asked the guy to um, go down to LSU with him. He said, no, he's staying with Notre Dame. His kids have been there for, you know, 12 years. Two girls are in high school. They wanted to graduate from high school in South Bend, but he's a, he's a, a Michigan alum. Mm-hmm. 
But do you think he's going to lead leave a secure job like that? And everybody's been talking for months that Harbaugh might, you know, make the jump back to the NFL. And so, do you think he would leave a, a, a job like Notre Dame as a defensive line coach to go to Michigan with the thought that the head coach might leave? Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, don't you think that would be a little part of the conversation? Absolutely. Right. And, and so to me, that said it all right then and there mm-hmm. that this, that he's not going anywhere. He would lose if if Harbaugh left, especially after hiring Mike Elson on Friday, they, the, the, the official hire came actually this morning. It was on, you know, they tweeted it out, but, you know, it was a done deal on Friday. Um, he would lose so much credibility within the assistant coach community for doing that, because then Mike Elston's out of a job. Mm. Yeah. He's got a contract, Mm -hmm. but the next guy in doesn't have to keep him. And chances are he isn't because he's going to want his own guys. Yeah, indeed. Um, What's going to happen to the scouts that have worked with Ryan Pace the last few years? Will the new staff bring in their own guys? What is the process generally on that? Okay, generally speaking, unless there's a guy the new GM can get right off the bat to be, say, a director of player personnel, mm-hmm. um, it's going to be status quo until after the draft. Mm-hmm. Then after the draft, you know, he's going to use that. I'm, I'm speaking very generally here. Okay. But, you know, after the draft or during between now and the draft, he's going to be evaluating those guys. Who do I like? Who don't I like? Now, some of them I'm sure he already knows and knows well. So, but he'll go through that. He'll see who he wants to keep, who he doesn't want to keep and then make a decision post draft. So don't be a bit surprised Mm -hmm. to see a turnover within 48 hours of the draft. I think and, that's what we saw with Ryan Pace after his first draft. Uh, it was 48, 72 hours. There were a number of changes made on his, right. the Bears. Now, I some guys with, you know, the decision-maker type guys, Lucas, Champ Kelly, some of those guys, Mm-hmm. They could be out the door because he's going. This guy's going to want his own group of lieutenants, mm-hmm. just like when Jerry came in, he brought in myself and and Bobby DePaul, mm-hmm. and every other guy does it too. You bring in your, you know, Chris brought in Dodds in Morocco. Mm-hmm. He kept he kept the pro guy, uh, but <laughs> there's not a GM in the league that doesn't do that. Absolutely. Because you got to have you got to have the people that you know and you trust mm-hmm. and, and you respect their opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, and in the case with Jerry and I, we had worked together in New York for four years, became very good friends. And so we, you know, I talked to Jerry at least a couple times a month mm-hmm. in between him leaving the Giants in uh, 87 until we came to here in June of 01. Okay. You know, that was a 14-year period. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I'm going to, again, uh, move to some of these questions. We've got a lot of good ones. We've got a huge audience today, Greg. Uh, we talked about, you mentioned Dodds and the reputation that he had among some scouts that, you know, he, he wasn't the most beloved person, but he's very good at his job. And then I was reading this week, doing some research on Bill Polian. You know, Bill Polian came with a lot of baggage, too. That one of the reasons I saw an article, and now again, you know, this is the news media, so believe what you want out of it. But there was an article that one of the reasons Jim Ursay fired Bill Polian was because he wanted his team back, because Bill Polian was so secretive about operations that sometimes he even kept the owner in the dark about some of the things that he was plotting. And he had his son as the general manager, and so that made things even easier. Well, son, well yeah, his son Chris was Polian. assistant GM, I think. Assistant he? GM. Yeah, I, I think he got promoted at one point to general manager, but I, I, I'll have to double check that. So uh, Marty Deck asks, who's the bigger jerk, <laughs> Polian or Dodds? Well, you know, I, I number one, I, I, I've known Bill since the day he came in the league. Mm -hmm. And that was in 1984, the um, XFL folded. Mm -hmm. And here's, the, here's how the whole story. Mm -hmm. Norm Pollum was the director of player personnel for the Buffalo Bills. He was my mentor. He hired me part-time in, in 1981 and taught me a whole lot. And, uh, and Norm passed away watching the national championship game three years ago uh, in, the, in, in his mid-90s. So, he, he, you know, he lived a, lived a good life. I hope he was – he used to always smoke these big cigars and mm -hmm. drink scotch. Or I hope he had a big cigar and a glass of scotch with him when he went. But uh, mm -hmm. anyway, he – he needed a pro guy. And at that time, really, you know, having a pro personnel director was kind of new. Mm -hmm. You know, not everybody had one, but he, he wanted a pro guy. And his daughter, Debbie, worked for Polian and Marv Levy with the Chicago Blitz. Okay, yeah, I remember those days. And John, John Butler was there, too. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, Marv's or Norm's daughter, mm -hmm. Debbie, highly recommended Bill to Norm, and Norm hired him off oh, of his wow. daughter off of his daughter's recommendation. Wow! And and a Hall of Fame career was born, <laughs> right? But you know he was, and and I'll give you another story. When I can't remember the guy who was the GM at that time. He was only GM for a couple of years and he, you know, had some health issues it had come from the giants and he had a step down and Mr. Wilson originally offered the job to Norm. Norm said, I don't want it. You know, he didn't, he was older. He didn't want to deal with that. He goes, make Jim, make Bill the GM. And that's how Foley ended up getting the job. And Polian, you know, bullheaded might be uh, a good way of describing him. Okay. Um, extremely smart. Mm -hmm. Very, very smart. And, you know, when he thinks he's right, he thinks he's right, whether he is or not, you know, he's, he's not going to change his opinion. Um, 
And, and there's, you know, early on in his career, there's a lot of stories out there when, um, you know, doing negotiations and, and getting in arguments with agents and things like that. But, you know, like anybody else, he was still hard to negotiate with. He was a very, very tough negotiator, but he calmed down. I mean, you know, he was a chain smoker back when he started, and, you know, cut that out. Um, Good for him. But you can't take away his football knowledge. He's... That's why I said that, you know, I, I said jokingly the other day, he, and we said it here a little at the beginning of the show. If, if George and Ted aren't going to listen to him, he's got the personality where he's going to walk out the door. Really? I mean, that he's that strong headed, huh? Oh yeah. <laughs> well, you got me. If you got the answers, then why am I here? Well, so this is a, a great question to, to bring up now. Um, the factor asks, what do you think of the Bears search team of uh, Sue Campbell, Tanisha Wade, George, Ted, uh, and, uh, and of course, uh, Apollyon? Uh, factor thinks it's a little odd. Uh, do, what are your overall impressions of, of having this search committee? Do you think that's too much? Do you think there's the possibility of it no, becoming I, I, combustible? I, who's the lead guy? Bill Polian. And the and the lead guy's Bill. Who's doing most of the probably eighty percent of the questions are coming from Bill. Mm -hmm. And in the case of soup, and I'm guessing here. Mm -hmm. in, in the case of soup, he's like representing the players. You get it? That's what his job is. Yeah, player engagement, so, I believe, is a title. Something right, like and and so and I tell you, it's an important job too. Mm -hmm. Players got a problem. That's the guy he goes to, but he knows the players. He knows the players really, really well. So I, I think from a standpoint where he might not be asking very many questions, he's just listening and he can offer, well, with this group we got here, I don't like this guy mm -hmm. or I really like this guy. Mm -hmm. You know, he's going to, he's going to fit in. Um, I think with Kanisha, it's strictly experience. Mm -hmm. To get her experience. Yes. Okay. And um, and Ted's been involved in a few of these things, so Ted's going to have his own set of questions. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and and the same with George. But I, they're going to just like they leaned on on Ernie, they're going to lean on Polian. Now, I was, and, and I didn't know this, because um, Joe Banner and I communicate, mostly it's text, but Joe is consulting a couple teams on, on searches mm -hmm. right now. And um, he came out and said it on, on Twitter, either last night or today, mm -hmm. that, you know, but he's not saying who he's recommending. Mm-hmm. But he did say that the majority of his candidates, and he said that it's not because we're trying to push minority candidates, it's because there are more of them and stronger. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, he a goes, great pipeline. Yeah. So, 
he goes, there's a good, strong group of minority candidates. Mm -hmm. Will all of them get hired this year? Probably not. Mm -hmm. But I think you'll see, you know, a, a, a fair share. And then go, you know, go from there. I don't personally, I don't like when people start bringing in the race thing. Mm -hmm. I want to hire the best guy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I got into a debate with someone on uh, social media, which I hate to do. But so I ended up saying, give me a call. Let's talk about this. And we did. Um, but the, the idea there, there was the, the person I was talking to did not like the fact that Tanisha Wade was on the search committee. And so I tried to explain my point of view as to how I think her role is, is that she's going to, uh, when she gets an opportunity to ask questions, she's going to ask questions to make sure that that GM candidate or coaching candidate is an inclusive person and, and isn't going to have problems with certain types of players. And so I'll give you an example. Leslie Frazier, when he was the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, their, the punter on that team, Chris Cluey, uh, came out openly in favor of same-sex marriage. And this was about, what, 15 years ago and so forth. And so Frazier called Cluey into his office and said, I would appreciate it if, and I'm paraphrasing, if you didn't go public with that. And Cluey had uh, had a talk with the owner of the team who told him, you know what, I really appreciate what you're doing. Keep up the good work. And so Cluey told Frazier that, and Frazier was like, well, I guess I was overruled. So perhaps Tanisha is going to ask, well, how do you feel about that situation now? Because things have changed over the last 15 years, and there are uh, more and more players who are gay coming forward and, and announcing that they're gay and so forth. And so that could potentially be why she could be of some value in the search. Your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, I know for a fact, there've been a lot of gay players in the league. Okay. They just never came out. Mm -hmm. yeah, so, um, and a lot of times your teammates know, mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, know what players care about? Does he play hard? Right. Can he play? Does he deserve the job he has? And is he doing a good job? You know, that's the important thing to players. They, they, um, you know, I think some of that other stuff, the media might make a bigger thing about it than, than the players actually do. And I, I don't want to, you know, throw a dart at the media. It's just that sure. it's, it becomes news then. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we don't, especially in places like this, everything is becomes part of the news cycle, no matter what happens, you know, instead of letting guys just live. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, and in any case, I, I like the idea that the search committee is diverse and that there is then a possibility of people asking questions and then after interviews, debating certain issues. And so if they have a, if the search committee is all allowed to speak openly and share their opinions, this could be, end up being a great thing. But if Bill Polian feels dictatorial about it, it could backfire and could get messy. Well, I, I don't think he would do that, but you know, his job is to find the right football guy. Mm -hmm. Okay. And like I say, soup, I, I'm saying he's the guy that's kind of representing the players here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And 
with Tanisha, it, it's a diversity thing. I really think that, like I said a few minutes ago, I don't think they're going to be all that involved with asking questions. I think they'll be more involved in the discussion when the interview's done. Fair. You know, and then, and then you know, throw in their two cents, what they liked, what they didn't like. Um, you know, Soup was a former player, mm-hmm. so he and with his job right now, he, you know, he has, he, you can get a good amount of feedback from him being in that position. You know, this is a, a brand new position for Tanisha that she's only been in for a few months. And like I just said a little while ago, I think this is more for experience mm-hmm. for her and, yeah. and a, a learning thing. And yeah. so, you know, she could be the, the silent partner in the equation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, but it's going to be it's going to be excellent for her development. Absolutely, she has uh, been called a rising star in the organization. Her her experience with the team has been the director of special events and so forth, and so that clearly is outside the football operations realm. And right. so, bringing her into the search committee could be a, a great way to groom her uh, for for more experiences down the line. Good stuff. Um, I want to get a couple more questions out of the way here before we start talking about those games from this week, because there was so many great things. Um, let's see uh, if the uh, factor asks if, if someone hires Champ Kelly as general manager, do the Bears get any draft picks? No. Yeah, it's, it, it's that's not the case. That's no. First of all, if if he'd have to be. If, if somebody wanted to talk to Champ, he's under contract to the Bears. They got to put in a permission slip, mm-hmm. and the Bears can say yay or nay. Mm-hmm. But if it's a GM job that has the tag attached to it, meaning control the fifty-three man roster, you have to say yes. Mm-hmm. You can say you got to wait till the end of the season. Mm-hmm. In the Bears' case, the season's over, so. Right. You know, they, yeah, they have to grant it. And as far as I know, this is the only job that he's getting a shot at. Yeah. You know, uh, you haven't seen his name mentioned at all. In fact, I, I'm kind of surprised that you don't see Reggie McKenzie's name more. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, Sam Rappaport, who works for the at the NFL, she's an executive with the diversity team. She almost guaranteed that Champ Kelly is going to be a general manager sometime in the next two to three years. Uh, she was so high on his uh, leadership skills and his knowledge and so forth. But it may not be this year because I agree with you. I have not seen his name outside of being interviewed by the Chicago Bears. I have well, not seen his you know, name part of it is the Bears haven't had success. Yeah, that hurts. <laughs> okay, so that, that doesn't help. And he was – when you look at the the chain of command within football ops, he was like third. Mm-hmm. You know, he had Ryan Pace, then he had his hand picked lieutenant in uh, Lucas, and then he, uh, and then Champ. Mm-hmm. And so, when you made final decisions, even though he might be the best guy in the room evaluation wise. Mm-hmm. How strong is his voice with the other two above him? Do you follow what I'm saying? And I'm not trying yep. to take anything away from him. It it it's how that works. I 
you know, I, I would be almost willing to bet that there's a chance that, you know, let's say champ doesn't get the job mm -hmm. that he stays. Mm -hmm. Lucas is gone. And the same thing with the cap guy. Interesting. Out. And, and, and Greg, what's your personal philosophy about uh, when you're searching for candidates to fill open positions? Do you do you give a, a, a little special more weight to in-house candidates, or is it an open playing field when it comes to the uh, search process? I, I think you got to be very open-minded, and I, I'll give you an example because I, I was talking to some people down at, at, at Notre Dame, they had a, their um, receiver coach wasn't kept Marcus Freeman didn't keep the receivers coach. Mm -hmm. So he had a bunch of, you know, a handful of candidates brought, I think three in for interviews. The guy who was rated number three out of the three going in, hit the grand slam in the interview mm -hmm. and jumped over the other two and got the job. Interesting. Okay. And so the interview process itself um, is, is very, very important how you conduct yourself. See that that's one of the concerns I have. I only hear this, you know, secondhand mm -hmm. that Dayball might not be a great interview. I know he's a great coach. Yeah, I see that every Sunday. Um, but he might not be a great interview. So, but now in his case, he's got a relationship going back probably close to 30 years, if not longer, with Polian. Mm -hmm. So that's going to help him. But I can tell you, I'll just say because it's on my mind too. Sure. They interviewed. You know, Shane yesterday from the, the Bills assistant GM yesterday, too. They're going to get his take. Mm -hmm. Who would you rather have? If we had to take Leslie, if we had our choice between Leslie Frazier and Brian DeBall, who's your guy? <laughs> yeah. Well, and they did that with, uh, Oh gosh, I'm forgetting the defensive coordinator's name under Lovey Smith. Rod Marinelli. Rod Rod Marinelli. <laughs> they didn't take his advice. Yeah, he said Bruce Arians. <laughs> and he left town when they hired Mark Trustman. Smart right. Marinelli. <laughs> <Dad> Marinelli. <laughs> now speaking of that, Marinelli, Marinelli is Marinelli is a guy that's very, very high on Everfluss. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And he recommended Everfluss to Chris. For the the Colts job, oh, wow. DC Great job, suggestion. Great suggestion. Yeah, um, and Everfluss worked for Marinelli when Marinelli was the DC down in Dallas. Mm -hmm. Now you Marinelli talk, might be available again, as uh, you know, he's my age, if not older. Right. Uh, he's the Raiders D line coach right now. Oh, okay. Who the hell knows what's going to happen there? And this is this is kind of interesting. Because I didn't know the answer, so I, I you know, sent some texts out to some people to find out. You know, the, the the interim head coach done a hell of a job there. Really, really has. And so I said, well, 
can they just elevate him? Nope. No. Got to go. Nope. They got to go through the process, and they got to go through the Rooney Rule. Oh wow! They can't. You know, he he's earned the job, but you still got to open it up. And so now you can do a sham interview and make up your mind beforehand. Yep, he's Rick Passaccia is getting the job, and Mm -hmm. you know interview some people. But it used to be, you know, when you were doing like Rooney Rule type things if you you could interview people in-house and account it now they got to be outside mm-hmm. like champ kelly doesn't count as a rooney rule interview mm-hmm. uh are you sure about that because i thought that rooney rule now applies to general managers and well th- th- yes it applies to all high level front office and coaching positions but what I'm saying is because they got to be outside the building. I understand. Gotcha. Okay. So if you interview a guy inside, you still got to do two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of other questions here before we start talking about uh, yesterday's football action or this weekend's. Um, do you believe, Jeremy asked, it, that Chris Ballard is selling everyone on Morocco Brown over Dodds because Brown is a minority and the Colts would get a comp pick? But again, that's we don't know if that's necessarily true. I, I'm going to do some research, research on that, Jeremy, and on next week's show we'll talk more about that with, with Greg about compensation for minority. There is. I, I, that was a new thing last year. Mm-hmm. And um, there is comp picks involved mm-hmm. when you hire a minority. Mm-hmm. Personally, I don't like that. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah, I tell you the truth, I think it's kind of racist myself. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, let's put everybody on an even playing field and pick the best guy. Right. Um, look, with Morocco, I've known Morocco for 21 years now. Mm-hmm. I work with him for seven. I know him as well as anybody. He is a quality candidate. Mm-hmm. Smart, great evaluator. He's been in high-level positions before. Gotten some bad situations in Washington and Cleveland. And those are, you know, those aren't necessarily his fault. They're not. Necessarily is not even the right word. Those aren't his fault. He took the job, but he didn't. You know the, how they turned out. You know Cleveland, they were they were turned over Cleveland every six months. Hmm. You know because of the way the ownership was. Oh, the yeah. and you know what's been going on in Washington all these years. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. so, but now he's he's been in a very stable environment in Indy. Chris and Morocco came into Hallis Hall within a couple of weeks of each other, mm-hmm. you know, so in, back in, in June of, of, of 2001. So, uh, you know, Morocco knows the people involved. Now, did he have a big interaction with ownership and with Ted back then? No, not really, but they still know him and he knows them mm-hmm. and he knows how they operate, knows how the bears operate. And, you know, so that is kind of an advantage. Mm-hmm. Personally, I take Morocco over Dots. 
Yeah, I and again, I've I can only judge based on interviews that I've seen with these guys. Morocco has a very colorful way of describing prospects and how they play. He'd be a fun guy to have from a media standpoint. He'd be a fun guy to have uh, leading leading the Bears. But uh, well, you know, Morocco Morocco's a pretty good player. I mean, he wasn't an NFL player, but he was a pretty darn good player. He was an inside linebacker at North Carolina State. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, the last question that I have, and it's something that you have talked about, but it's been asked multiple times in the chat room. The first question that is asked of all these head coaching candidates is, drumroll please, one more time, Greg, say it again. <laughs> Who are you bringing in as your coordinators well that's not the first question necessarily but that it's very very important part Mm -hmm. it's not just it's your whole staff Mm. you know and and if a guy's not prepared then that's going to come out you know real bright and clear Mm -hmm. to everybody he's and you can't have one name you know this guy's going to be my offensive coordinator because what if you can't get him and it's happened where you know, you you talked. You got a buddy who's, you know, with uh, the 49ers, and he says, "Yep, I'm coming." And then you put in the permission slip, and the 49ers say, "No, he's not." Mm-hmm. You know, they won't give permission for him to make the move, and so you've got to have a list three or four deep. So that means, you know, your list is only as good as the worst guy. Mm-hmm. And so, you, you know, you go through those guys and you try to find out the strengths and weaknesses of those guys and, and you know, who they are, where are they right now? Are they coming from college or are they coming, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong. You know, Lovey's staff, when, when Lovey came here, how about this? It was the most inexperienced staff in the league. Oh, wow. Didn't know that. As far as NFL experience, a lot of college guys. Interesting. That's right, the original. That was the original staff. The, the original staff. What year did he come in? Two thousand four. Two thousand four. Um, all right. Let's start talking about NFL action because I, I can field these questions for another two hours. That well, well, that this is a good way to lure people back to our next show. We'll, we'll answer your questions at our next show. Let's talk about the probably the game of the weekend so far is the Cowboys. 49ers game. Your and impressions. I didn't watch happened. the last five minutes okay. when I was at the gym because I had, you know, grandchildren here. I think they're still here. I locked up in this room. <laughs> My wife was going to take them home. I don't know if she took them home yet. The, um, they've been here since Friday. And uh, so we're going to eat dinner. So it's like we're eating dinner now. TV's coming off. So, yeah, <laughs> yes, sir. So uh, you know how that works. Oh, <laughs> so I didn't see the last five minutes in the controversial place. I saw him when I was in the gym. And, of course, the, there's no volume. There's a big screen, and they got everything. They're showing everything. And the, um, and then uh, McCarthy's getting a lot of heat over the, uh, the uh, quarterback draw play. Right. And stuff. So I – you know, way I look at it, when I was watching that game, San Francisco was the dominant team. Mm-hmm. You know, I so I I think the right team won. Mm-hmm. And anyway, I'm not a Dallas fan, so anytime, and they put the cam, 
camera on Jerry Jones more than any owner in the league. Oh uh, every owner of the league put together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you could take the other 30 owners because Green Bay doesn't have one. And and as a group, they don't have, get as much airtime as, as Jerry Jones does. Mm-hmm. But anytime they put his mug on, on, on the TV and, you know, he looks like he's ready to cry or ready to die, then, uh, you know, that, that makes for a good football game. <laughs> it does. I agree. But he's great. He, at the same time, the guy is great. He has done so much for the National Football League. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at it, he it really has. He brought the league into the modern world. Yep. You know, and as far as marketing and sales mm-hmm. and all this other stuff, and, and they were just so mm-hmm. far behind, and now they're way ahead. Yep. And you know, he's shown other uh, NFL team owners how to create their own revenue streams outside of what the NFL is doing, and so right. that was that's been really, really huge for NFL owners. This is the last play with Dak Prescott uh, uh, calling a draw play. It's second down and one. Uh, there's 14 seconds on the clock. There goes Dak. 11, 10, 9 seconds. He go, he First goes of all, okay, here's what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. He, in his mind, he knows there's 14 seconds. Right. He should and he knows how much time he needs to get, you know, line everybody up and, and, and spike the ball. Mm-hmm. He ran five yards too far. Yep, sure did. Okay, so part of that you got to put on. I don't know if I mind the call, and and, and the main reason is is you you want a little bit shorter pass Mm -hmm. for that final throw. Mm -hmm. But okay, so he gets down to the twenty three yard line. It looks like here, and yeah, what's the difference if he was at twenty seven? Exactly, I'm totally and and there there wouldn't have been the problem with the spiking of the ball. Mm-hmm. So now some people, I've heard some people say, well, the, the, the official screwed things up. No, the you, you cannot snap the ball until the official spots the ball. Right. And the Dallas players were spotting the ball. Right. There's, they are taught, the Dallas players are taught to hand the ball over to the official. So let me play it from here and give you what I had a problem with regarding the official. So the official is trailing the play too far behind. He was 25 yards behind, and he he, he runs a 40-yard dash faster than any official I've seen to try to get there as quickly as possible. And what happens is he bumps into Dak Prescott. You'll see it right here. Bump, bump. And then he he double places the ball. You see him placing the ball closer. Well, to that's the because Dallas had placed the ball, or the Dallas players had moved it, and he moved it back. But why is that important to, for him to move it inches when it has no? Well, it was really almost. It was really almost a. I'm not gonna say a yard, but it was at least a foot and a half. Yeah. But you know, he just. But he's doing his job. You know, and and by rule, the official has to spot the ball, and at that point, the official had not spotted the ball. Mm-hmm. I just, so it, yeah, could could can you nitpick and say, well, that's not fair? Well, hey, that's what they do for every other play in the game. Mm-hmm. It's not his fault; it's the last play. Mm-hmm. And I don't usually stick up for the officials because sometimes their calls are terrible. But <laughs> yes. you know, I, I they didn't do anything wrong there. Yeah, not that I could see. 
Yeah, I just I just feel like I have seen games, and in fact, I put this up on Twitter. Here's here's the play. So he put the the center puts the ball down, and then he moves it, see, and see, then he, he moves it again. It's like, why are you moving it so much? <laughs> it's like that second there could have been that second there could have been salvage for the Cowboys. It, Not that it, I wanted the yeah. Cowboys to win, trust me. But I just no, I know, that, I know. They they weren't going to get. You know what? They weren't going to win the game anyway. <laughs> I agree with. I you. mean, what what are the chances that they got a a, a touchdown on that next play? <laughs> I did not have, by the way, everyone's saying, yeah, you had money in the game. No, I didn't. I just felt like the, the referees could have done a better job of, of getting that ball placed. The first mistake is that he's got, when that when Dak takes off, that empire has to start running along with the team. He didn't start running until the play was dead. And so that cost him a second to get there. And then the double placement of the ball, that could have given the Cowboys time to spike the ball. And that was my only contention. It's not a big deal. Like I said, I didn't have money in the game. I don't like the Cowboys. I don't like any team in the NFL other than the Chicago Bears. So, Well, I, I, I think you got to, again, go back to what I said at the beginning. You had 14 mm-hmm. seconds left, and mm-hmm. you call a run play. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't have a problem with calling a run play, but you can't run 20 yards when you got 14 seconds left. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Get, I mean, get your ass down and, and – then you know down spike the ball so you've got time to live mm-hmm. yep there's you know no you get doubt. the clock's got to work up here yeah there's no doubt and about nobody, it i haven't heard one person say that 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 dak is you know some of this is on deck mm-hmm. by the way did you see that the punter for the dallas cowboys punts up a a, a a ball and it hits the stadium scoreboard at that 1.6 billion dollar stadium it's like i didn't see the play i knew it was going to happen sooner or later because guys crazy. have tried it i mean they come in for warm-ups mm-hmm. it's like especially guys who haven't been in that stadium mm-hmm. i gotta see if i can do it it's, it's unbelievable that uh, he did that, and they had to do a replay on it. Uh, as, is that what they did? Okay. Yeah, they ha- the, the rule is you, you have to punt it over. It's a, it's a do-over, as the official said. Well, I think that's fair because you can't just it's, – it's – it's, it's, Right. I don't even know what the word – it's interference, but – Yeah, it is, it is interference. So, Greg, let me show you this play from the Bears and Lions game a couple of years ago. Watch what the official does here. Kenny Galladay is going to catch a pass, and he's going to, as he's running back towards in between the hashes, he's going to veer to the right and and add two yards to his reception. What does the official do? He immediately just puts the ball down because he knew the clock was managing quickly, and he didn't fuss with the ball. Watch. uh, Let me make sure you got it here. Okay, yeah. Um, So let me – uh, okay. full frame. Here's the, here's the the throw. Galladay goes down. Watch him veer to the right, veer to the right, veer to the right, veer, places the ball down. The official yeah, comes. He gave, he, gave, he gave a two-yard advantage. And the, <laughs> the official put the ball back a foot. <laughs> but, but it's just, it drives me crazy that there isn't a more scientific way to do this in a multi-billion dollar industry. Well, that, in a situation like that, I, I would think should immediately blow the whistle, stop the clock for a second, and and spot the ball. Now Love the other the team that's winning, they're they're going to be pissing and moaning. No, right. you know, hey, they they used all their timeouts. That's their tough luck. 
social isn't the college rule better you pick up a first down stop the clock until the chains have moved yeah and then they're i'll tell you what in the last couple minutes they're real slow you might have 10 seconds before they start that clock that is true that is true (laughs) but i do like that rule better i mean there's so many i wish i was well they 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 don't want the nfl game being like the college game that goes three hours and 40 minutes That is a problem. There's no doubt about that. You know, they got they got their windows. Mm-hmm. There is no doubt about that. I have an image here. Uh, I lost it. No, never mind. Off that topic. All right. Let's talk about uh, the Chiefs and Steelers. Yeah, I figured I didn't watch much of that one. Okay. Well, I, I'll tell I looked. You. I looked at the. I, you know, I kept seeing the score going up and up and up, and I go, oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, it was unbelievable. In the first quarter, the Chiefs had like zero yards of offense, but in the by the end of the first half, they had over three hundred yards. They, I mean, I they really turned well, it on. I got to be honest here. I got to have full disclosure. Okay. Were you a Ray Donovan fan? Um, Ray on Donovan. Showtime? Oh I, no, I have not seen. It. I'm going to binge watch that someday because I hear it's so, okay. Great. Well, it was you know they they ended the show two years ago and then they had, but they did it without closing up all the loopholes. Oh, you know, so now that movie. The yeah. movie was closing everything up. And so you watched that yesterday. Damn right. That was more important. <laughs> I, you know, I'm looking at the score and I go, you know, because I was like, okay, I'm going to tape Ray Donovan and I'm going to yeah, right. watch the game. Well, no, but the game was, <laughs> was a blowout. So then I turned to wherever they were on Ray Donovan and then put it in reverse so I could go back to the beginning and – yeah, I got to do a binge watch on that show because I've heard so many. Well, great you're going to be been, there's like six seasons, seven seasons. I or something. know, what? I know. It, it it builds up. So I wanted your thoughts on Ben Roethlisberger. What I mean, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, right? I would think so. You know, unless ago. people want to hold some of the, the off field issues against him. Yeah. For the he's getting in. Put it that way. Yeah. Um, whether he's a first ballot, you know, who knows? Is Devin going to be a first ballot? You know, I I, I know some voters that are, are not going to vote for him. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Ever, you think? No, they'll, they'll eventually vote for him, but they aren't voting this year. Wow. I, I know I, one in particular. I hope, I hope it's not hard. Because I had an <laughs> argument with him, and he was – you know, he was saying, well, if you go him, then why isn't this guy already in? Because he deserves it. You can't and, and, you can't judge that by other mistakes that have been done in the past. No, I'm just telling you. I'm not going to name <laughs> Oh, go ahead. Name him. No. Initials? Because you know the name. Uh, or I'm you sure should anyway. But, uh, you know, I, hey. Is what it is. I hope he gets in, but I I, I guarantee it's not a lock. Mm-hmm. It's not a lock that the people think it's. You know, we're biased. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I look. At, he changed the game. Mm-hmm. When you have rules changed because of you, you're worthy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, this is. He's not a. He's not a game changer. He's a. Uh, there's a bigger way of phrasing that. He's a rules changer, like you just said. You know, and, and yeah. so that that means a lot. All right, your Bills, uh, dominant, dominant performance uh, this weekend. Uh, anything you want to say about their 47 to 17 victory over the Patriots? That was a thorough ass kicking, and I thought <laughs> looking. You know, in the morning, I put out 
I, I put out a tweet that I got a little heat on and I said, you know, five degrees, going to be windy, advantage bills. Mm-hmm. So somebody said, why, New England's cold? You know, they're getting a lot of feedback. I go, you haven't been to that stadium, have you? I've only been there. <laughs> and I was a season ticket holder for 11 years. Mm-hmm. Before, you know, and then I started working for the Giants, and so I gave them up. Uh, been in that stadium a million times. It's about four miles from the lake. Mm-hmm. And that wind coming off the lake is huge on, on the windy days. And they're also in the snow belt. Mm-hmm. And weather plays a huge factor. And it's a lot tougher on the opponent. I don't care where they're from. Even if it was Green Bay, it's a lot tougher on the opponent. And I, you know what? I, it's one of the things I like about Josh Allen. He's a gamer. And when he goes into a game thinking, I'm going to kick your ass, mm-hmm. he kicks your ass mm-hmm. and rubs it in your face. He does. He's got a great competitive spirit. I like that. About you know, him. and and so, I mean, that game was over in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It was. And the, the other thing regarding the weather is that Mac Jones is just not accustomed to playing games in that that kind of weather. So that that was a big advantage, I think, for the Bills defense. And and the and the Patriots couldn't run the ball like they have in other games where they tried to neutralize or, or, or lessen the onus on the quarterback. The, the Patriots didn't have any. Well, they just played two weeks ago, right, in New did. England, and yeah. and Buffalo kicked their rear end. Then, yeah, it's clear who, who you know. So team. it, it um, and and they handled Mac Jones really well in that yeah. game. And I think you know you you take. Hey, all the credit in the world, Mac Jones. He had a hell of a rookie season. But now you put him a rookie quarterback in that situation, playoff football, against a hungry Bills team, different story. Mm-hmm. Um, and the final game uh, prior to tonight's finale of the first round of the playoffs was the Bengals game, a big victory for Cincinnati over the Raiders. Any thoughts on that game? No, I, I – you know, in a way, I was pulling for the Raiders. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Just a little selfish part. Mm-hmm. I was hoping Versace would win because maybe it would help Tobe. Yeah. Now, how's that for logic? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and he still yeah. hasn't been named as a candidate no, anymore, right? No, and he probably won't. You know, and then, yeah. hey, Dave makes a great living. So, you know, I'm not, not going to feel bad for him. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I, he deserves a shot. He should be in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And anybody that's played for Dave will agree with me 100%. Mm-hmm. The, other, the, the one thing I wanted to, to comment uh, on or get, get your opinion on my, my belief that Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are going to be an extraordinary quarterback-wide receiver combination for years. In fact, that could be like a record-breaking combo. Like, Manning and Harrison were, uh, you know, I, I, I forget who else deserves to be mentioned, but those two guys, man, they've got a quick, quick chemistry going. It's going to be outstanding to follow those two guys. And, you know, we got to be hopeful that that here that they get a situation like that. Yeah. Uh, there was a question earlier. Uh, somebody asked, 
do you think that the Bears should make a trade for a wide receiver this offseason? And then somebody suggested to me, why not? Why shouldn't the Bears think about trading Robert Quinn for Calvin Ridley? And I look at their salaries; they're almost identical. They have one yeah, year but left. it's the it's the restru- you restructured Quinn though this year, and the cap hit uh, to move him would be no, you can't. And and who's more valuable to your football team, a pass rusher or a fast receiver? Well, um, in today's football, I would say it's a lot closer than ever before, but definitely a pass rusher. Okay, and and. Y- y- you win football, you got to have a quarterback, you got to have an offensive line, you got to have a defensive line. Those are the first things you got to take care of. Mm-hmm. Then you fill in. I, you know, you, you've got a good receiver in Mooney. You've got to get the guy across from him. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be, they might get a guy that you're going to go, huh? And I got a couple names and I'll wait till we get close to free agents to see if he actually right now he'll be a free agent, but whether he's going to be a free agent in March remains, you know, right. remains to be seen. Um, I got a couple names that I, that I like, um, Man, you know, we'll, we'll see. And, and, and you don't, you don't, and there's one that I'm really warming up to, you know, I'm mm-hmm. starting to watch some tape mm-hmm. and you look at his numbers and you go, oh, I don't know what I'm thinking. No, I think you put this guy, because again, now I'm assuming Dayball is going to get the job, and I'm I'm looking at how he uses receivers, mm-hmm. and he's got big guys, he's got little guys. Mm, interesting. You know, like Isaiah McKenzie's five foot seven. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. And, and the yeah, the slot guy is uh, you know five nine, Beasley. Uh, Diggs is only five eleven, five eleven and a half. He's just a little bit. He's heavier. You know, he's probably got 10, 12 pounds on Mooney. Mm-hmm. You know, he's bulkier. Yeah, right. About the same height. Maybe mm-hmm. digs a half inch longer, taller. Um, but then they got um, Gabriel Davis. You know, he's like 6'3", 220. Mm-hmm. And he's really come on this year. He was a guy that I thought would come on for them this year. And, and he did the second half of the season because of some injuries at, at, at the other position. So, I mean, they've got all different types, but they all play a very big role within that offense. And the, like when, when you look at the running backs Buffalo has compared to Chicago, single, what's the name? Singleton or Singletary, whatever the Singletary. hell is it. Singletary would be number three here. Mm, yeah. The, uh, do you think that Tariq Cohen's days with the Chicago Bears are over? I don't know the answer to that because there's medical issues there that, we're never going to hear about. Yeah. And, and so, you know, there's rumors that he had a, a second surgery. I don't know if that's true. Yeah. You know, um, he looked pretty good, you know, running around the field and all that, but he wasn't ready to play this year. And, you know, whether he's going to be good to go next year or, and, and, and you know what, it's not even going to be up to Terry Cohen. It's going to be up to the, whoever the next coach is and the GM. Because mm-hmm. they're going to make the decision, right, right, and and, sure, and you know, and how they can use them, right. And I'm sure they'll get input from the medical staff, but it, it can't be. Oh well, good. that that that's that. I mean, the doctors. Because I've been, you have a a postseason now. It'll probably get pushed back now. 
mm-hmm. you know, until they make the hire. So you've got a head coach and maybe your coordinators and your GM, and then you're going to have a, a meeting because I've sat in those meetings several times and, and you're going over most of the roster, especially the guys that, that got issues and the doctors give their opinion. And I'll tell you that medical team is very, very good. So, you know, they'll, they'll tell you, I mean, and, and they're not going to get, you know, especially they tell you stories from the draft because they don't know the guys in the draft. They look at, you know, they're examining them and they're putting a grade on them. Just like a scout puts a grade on it, the medical people put a grade on it. Right. And, and so I remember one, there was one guy we were talking about that we really liked. Jerry and I really liked it. And, and the scout from that area really liked. And, but he had an issue at the combine. He had an arthritic mm-hmm. knee. Mm-hmm. And so he goes, doctor goes, no, he's got an arthritic knee. And Jerry goes, yeah, but I really like him. He goes, Jerry, you might get three years out of him, and you might not. So why? 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 And you know what? He was 100% correct. When you end up watching the careers of these guys, they're probably right 90% of the time. And, you know, I know from dealing with these guys that there's some issues that they worry about more than others. You know, they're both, the two orthopedic guys are both excellent shoulder guys. So if you get a guy with a, a torn labrum or something like that, he goes, yeah, I played during the year. We'll fix it after. Interesting. Yeah. You know, not a big deal. And he'd be good to go. But now you get a guy with an arthritic knee, different story. Totally different, huh? Because there's no cure and it never gets better. It only gets worse. So now you, you you do your research and you say, okay, did he miss practice in college? How many games did he miss? How many practices did he miss because of that particular injury or condition? Okay, well, if he's missing time in, in college, you know damn well he's going to miss time mm-hmm. in the pros. And so you, you, you're taking that all into consideration. So now you get back to Tariq Cohen. He's missed really what four games he played in Correct. in 2020, maybe three, three or four games in 2020. And then, so he missed all day. He had surgery right away. He, he had, generally speaking, you know, you can come back in, in 10 months, right? Maybe even quicker with some guys. I mean, every, everybody's different as, as far as how they react to a surgery, but you can use averages. And yet, you know, th- there was obviously some complications because now it's been, um, you know, you're talking 14, 15 months and he wasn't able to step on the field this year. Mm-hmm. Now, again, we don't know exactly what those complications are, but that medical staff will spell it out to the new GM and, and, and the uh, coach and then they'll make a decision. Well, I wish him a lot of luck because he's been such a dynamic player. Uh, I, I, I'm i assuming you're going to watch tonight's game between the Cardinals and the Rams. Do you have a favorite uh, team that you think is going to win or, or a team that you're just playing um, for? Well, I got some friends that work for the Rams, so I guess I got I to gotta pull for the Rams. 
Was it a mistake for the Bears to uh, uh, allow Leonard Floyd to go to the Rams? Uh, yeah. I think so, too. I mean, gosh. They (laughs) – he has been great in their locker room. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that was a – that was a big mistake. It wasn't a little mistake. That was a big mistake. Yep. Okay. And and he's be, you know, they're looking at it. So, okay. Whose fault was it? Was it his or was it the people coaching him? Which is interesting because Brandon Staley was coaching him and he, he had something to do with uh, getting him to go to, to the Rams. <laughs> so. But he, you know, when you talk to people at the Rams, they love him. They Absolutely love him. Love him. They thought he was the key, the key acquisition a year ago was him. Interesting. Interesting. Well, uh, I can't wait to watch this game tonight. It should be a fun way to end this first round of the playoffs. Uh, Greg, I want to thank you very much for giving us. I got one one other thing. I don't like the idea of having a Monday night game in the playoffs. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. I think it's a competitive disadvantage for the two teams. They got it. They got a short week. Mm Mm-hmm. Preparing for the divisional round, the winner of the one one that's one team is going to have a, um, well, yeah, the, the winner whoever wins the game is going to have a short week. They're going to play Sunday, mm-hmm. and they're not even playing the later game. The late game on Sunday has already been determined. It's Kansas City and Buffalo, so it, it's going to be the early game on Sunday, and it's a short week. I just in the playoffs, I don't think that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, but then again, it's all about the money, the money, money. How that? No, I, 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 I hear that, but I just, you know, mm-hmm. they, you, you can't put a team at a competitive disadvantage. Well, granted, they had an extra day to prepare, but still, they've already played 17 games. These guys' bodies have already, you know, taken a pretty good beating. I think if they're going to expand the NFL playoffs, like a lot of people are t- talking about one more regular season game and uh, more, um, maybe another playoff round in the future. Oh, my I don't goodness. Think, I, I don't think you'll see it. I really don't. But I, I think the, I, I, personally, I don't think the union's that strong. Mm-hmm. I mean, compared to the baseball union, they're nothing. The, um, you know, the strength of the baseball union, mm-hmm. baseball union's got the strongest union in, in pro sports. And, and, and anything, I think. <laughs> you know, and that goes back years, years and years. But the, uh, I, I, I think the players would finally put their foot down in a yeah. situation like that. They don't, there's a lot of players didn't want to play 17 games. And then if they go try to go 18, I, I don't see it happening. Mm-hmm. Take Ravi's advice. He says, hit the like button. That'll help us get more views on uh, YouTube. And this show will shortly be on our audio version on the Barroom Network audio feed. So let your friends and family members know that Greg Gabriel Talks Football is a great hour and 40-minute show. Greg, you're the absolute best. Can't wait to our next conversation. We'll let people know. I'll do a better job uh, next time of letting people know what our start time is. I had a lot of people at the beginning of the show saying, I didn't know you were going to have a show tonight. And that was my fault. Sorry. Well, well, we had other things going on. <laughs> yeah, we had a few other things going on. And is every, you know, without saying, is everything cool? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> I'll talk to you about that offline. <laughs> okay. 
Um, uh, and again, uh, thanks a lot for watching. For those of you who commented live, really appreciate it. And again, uh, the show will be available on demand. And we'll uh, see you next week. Bye-bye, everybody. See you later.